Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, people. Chuck, it's so good to see you. <laughs> Dang, it's been weeks. Hi, Chuck. It's been weeks. Hey. Aloe Treatment Centers presents... Aloe Treatment Centers is me, Evan, and Jared. You know that. It always yeah. seems like a treatment center is some big corporation. No, it's like three guys that couldn't find a job. Nice. <laughs> you know well, I mean? Yeah, that is kind of the theory. Can't find a job, start a treatment center. <laughs> well, we did. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but I haven't seen you in so long. So much has happened, Chuck, and I always like to get your right down the middle kind of take on things. You, are, you have a calming, right down the middle, logical, reasonable sense that I don't have. A lot of times. <laughs> That's funny. Can I touch on that? So, I've been called a holier-than-thou centrist <laughs> because since you can't really mock somebody who's in the middle, it's become a holier-than-thou centrist. I love that. It's a, a non-committal person. <laughs> you won't commit emotional violence towards others. I'm, I'm trying not to. So, so and I like sometimes, because sometimes I've had things that I thought were crazy, and you agreed with them, so then I thought, they can't be that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true either. <laughs> you have agreed with them. I know, but that doesn't mean you're not nuts. I'm, <laughs> I'm oh, a God. drug addict, dude. Oh, good point. So, good so point. anyways, I wanted to be a good parent and build something that my kids could hurt themselves on, like all good parents. So we're looking right out the window of the studio. Frenchie, the great Frenchie, the former Thelonious Monster band member, slash heroin dealer Effing slash heroin, heroin fucking heroin dealer slash greatest dad in the world sober guy um carpenter so i said hey frenchy what are you doing sunday and he's like nothing why and i go i'll pay you 200 bucks to help me put this big old fucking box that came <laughs> hmm. and it's a trampoline it's a 14 foot trampoline so on the box when they're giving you the how to put it together um it mm. says two to four hours, right? It, it estimates the time and how long it would take one relatively smart human being. Average IQ. Average of... IQ or below. It would take them two to four hours. So two would be a smart person, I would imagine. Or or not. you don't even have to be smart. You just have to be tenacious. You have right? to be able to read. Read. And be coordinated. Or you have to have, you have the ability to know that you need to read the instructions. That's crucial. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. I don't have those. Okay. So two to four hours for one person to put that trampoline, and we're looking at the trampoline outside the studio. And walls it's a nice right looking now. trampoline, I might say. Okay, Frenchie and I, it took us seven and a half hours to do That's that. Fantastic. Two people. That means fifteen hours. Did took. you guys like tap in and out, or well, were you working we together? I like to rush and and not read the instructions, just do what seems to come next. <laughs> right. And then a lot of times Frenchie had to undo that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That's making sense. And I was like, no, 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 Frenchie, let's just get the bass going. He goes, I don't know. That's not what the instructions say. And I was like, fuck the instructions are written by somebody <laughs> who doesn't know as much as I know about trampolines. I can't believe you're you're actually realizing that. I can't believe you see that. <laughs> well, anyways, we were out there at nine thirty last night with lights on it <laughs> and bears. <laughs> and and Frenchie was a little nervous about the bears coming out. Yep. <laughs> I said, "There's no food around here. It's going to be fine." But so you basically paid Frenchie two hundred dollars to straighten you out to keep me from destroying it, so you couldn't construct it. Exactly. Like I could have gotten half of it up, and the other half wouldn't have gone. Like, you're not supposed to, for instance, this is for tips at home. We know, I know there's a lot of parents that listen to us. So when you're making a trampoline, you're supposed to put like six on one side, six of the springs, then go to the other side and put six on. That doesn't make sense to me. I like to go around. <laughs> then you can't get the last you ones on. You can't get the other Duh. side on. <laughs> See, this is just, that's just basic. What, what is that? Is that uh, physics? That's, that's I don't awesome. know what it is, but somehow we did it and then we had to undo it and yeah. undoing it is a lot harder with that wrench sliding the thing down into the hole Sounds a lot funny. easier than taking it up out of it hmm. and then there was some we were skipping some and then putting two under one and Frenchie kept saying i don't know if this is good enough. i was like it's good enough it's good enough it's my kids i'm not gonna let other kids jump on it <laughs> <I don't care. laughs> 
That's a terrible idea. <laughs> and then, as you can see over here on the far left, then we get it, and it's slanting so far down because that ground isn't level. Okay. So I just, Frenchie said, we're going to have to dig a trench over on the other side. I said, I got you one better. Let's just put some rocks under the other side. <laughs> so this thing, is, this thing is sitting on three rocks that I found up in the hills. No, no way. I, I don't know if I can let that happen. <laughs> When I hear what happened to Elvis, I'm going to feel bad (laughs) because that's just a terrible idea. Well, so that's the point of what a bad parent I am. So Sydney and Elvis (laughs) were not that. That's that's typical bad parenting. I take it to another level. So constantly, Elvis likes to show off for Frenchie. It's one one of the few friends I have that he doesn't get shy around. So he doesn't get shy around you because you you have a kid with you. So he keeps coming out here to show off to Frenchie because Frenchie's so loving and nurturing. He like came in here and Elvis played drums and uh, and Frenchie sat here far longer than I would have, <laughs> like one Elvis playing drums. So every hour, hour and a half, Elvis would get bored in the house. He'd come out here and start playing drums. We had this sliding glass door open and Frenchie would come in and listen to him or whatever. So then, as it was getting dark and we were seven hours, five hours in. I started to become a grumpy dad. Oh. And so Elvis would come over and start drumming. I'd say, stop the drumming. Stop it. We're trying to get something done out here before the <laughs> sun goes down. Trying to build this thing down. for you, you dick. <laughs> this is for you. This so, is your fault. So then, so then about an hour later, I was, I was down underneath trying to dig the trench that Frenchie had suggested early right. on Good. in the dark, mm-hmm. right, to level it. I heard the drums. I said, Elvis, stop. And then Elvis was out there. And he goes, not me. And I was like, he goes, it's Sydney. And so I came in here and Sydney was drumming, right? And I said, well, I, he goes, you owe me an apology. I go, no, I don't. You can't <laughs> yell. You can't yell at a little baby. So you're going to get yelled at even when she fucks up. No. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's just, you were on trampoline, dude. That's not your fault. You were I on was, seven hours of trampoline. I was, I was insane yesterday. So all you guys that, that are trying to be those super dads i try and i fail constantly how much would it have cost to have them set it up like if you bought it at a place and they come out and set them up ironically from i bought i wanted 165 dollars oh wow oh my if you buy it from walmart they do that thing where it's come out and put it together for Mm -hmm. you but I don't like that. I don't because I'm not. Oh, a guy, I hate having stuff put together right the first time. <laughs> I'm not a guy that knows when I'm going to be home. I don't like that that they're supposed <laughs> to be here between, like the cable company, between two and four. So I I never can okay. make appointments like that. It's much easier to say, Frenchie, what are you doing on Sunday? I I called him Saturday night actually. What are you doing tomorrow? Come on and help me do this thing. I really thought that he and I could pound it out in two hours. Because it's two to four hours, two, one person, two people should be able to do it in one hour. That's not always true either, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Seems logical, though. No, it, it makes total sense. But that's why I don't do even the simple mechanical things on my car, because that's what happens whenever I try to do something on my car. You know, uh, well, you know, doing the brakes is easy. Doing this is easy. Do this on your motorcycle. Do this. And no, no, because I'll fuck it up and I'll end up having to pay somebody to fix it. Well, I'm I'm sure that it's going to fall off those rocks. But I, you know, I'm going to have to. At least it's up. You can jump on it. We can bungee tape the legs to the <laughs> bungee tape. Is there such a thing? How about bungee cord? El- Elvis even suggested, Dad, aren't those those sandbag things that have the two sandbags on one side and a little thing in the middle? <laughs> Can't you just put those on there? And I was oh, like, no. That's a good idea. You don't think no, that's a good idea? No, 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 no. It's just, it's all bad. You know, <laughs> dig a hole on the other side. Well, Sydney is only 40 pounds, so I don't think it's going to fall off the rocks for 40 pounds. Not yet. If I no. get up Dude, there, I saw you jumping in it tonight was, with Sydney. It was holding tight, wasn't it? It was fine. It didn't yeah. fall off You know, the if you got wood, like two by sixes or something and made it. See, an that's actual... what Frenchie said. And then we would have <laughs> had to, that's, you were like, you are very much like Frenchie. Calm, reasonable, centric, center. He, then we would have gone at eight o'clock at night to Home Depot to get the get the four by four. Or you could have asked me to bring you some, and I could well, have brought see, it up tonight. I, had, I wanted it set up. Of course, the kids were asleep by the time it was ready. All day long, I was saying, "We're gonna jump on the trampoline." You think you were mad? <laughs> they thought they'd be jumping at, at three o'clock in the afternoon, and they were sitting getting yelled at oh, for being no, human. No, no. 
well, anyway, <laughs> so there's that, the parenting component of my life. And then let's get right to it. I spoke at the biggest, oldest AA meeting in Los Angeles on Friday night. Wait a second. You I, didn't get struck by lightning? Listen, listen well, I, people walked out. I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> so so Jack Grisham and I should have a competition of how many people we can get to walk out of an AA meeting. I bet talking. you guys could empty the room. <laughs> together (laughs) if we were back to back we could empty a room (laughs) that's fantastic so 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 when you're asked to speak it's called roxbury it's like been around since 1946 i went there in the exodus rehab van in 1989 right right nice 300 400 people in this basketballish auditorium in Beverly Hills. And night at So the when I'm asked to speak there I'm thinking, "Oh my god, I got to I got to I got to I got to get my I got to get my what it was like, what happened, what it's like now." And so every day for 2 weeks when I was taking a shower, I was thinking about, you know, you got to got to mention childhood abuse, got to do this, got to do that, got to keep it real, you got to, you know, like I'm nervous. I'm going to speak at the biggest AA meeting I've ever been to. So I go there <laughs> There's after, 40, den- after denouncing it all year. <laughs> yeah, I go there and there's 40 people there. What? 20 of which came in a van from like two different sober livings. Hmm. And I was just like, what? This is a this is an example oh, of what's wait. going on. Your name was on the marquee, right? Maybe people knew. <laughs> people knew you were coming. Were there a lot of empty no, seats? No, but I, I just think that, you know, get, uh, I believe in AA. I believe in the ideas that those guys came up with. They've served me so well. They've served all of my friends. It's a great, flexible, philosophical, existential way to live. You can decide what you want to keep, what you want to leave, right? Somehow, it was always appealing to me. It was appealing to me because of how kind the people were. It was appealing to me that it wasn't insistent on anything. It was cool. People seemed actually happy that I was trying to get sober. Right. None of those things exist anymore. That's, that's sad. That, it really that, is that, weird. That is sad. I'd have to go to the we places that I used AA to go. We need an AA revolution. We need an AA revolution. And, and so I spoke to that and the old timers left. <laughs> you, said, you said we need an AA revolution? <laughs> yeah, kind of to a certain extent. I told the kids they need to take over and, and tell the old people to fuck off. <laughs> Gee, and all the old people left? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was including them. See, this is what... Wait, this is what were you was... trying to piss people no, off? Or... No, Yes, you were. <laughs> I was including myself in the old people, and I think the old people didn't know how old I was, that I was as old as them, because I dye my hair... <laughs> you know what I mean? Because when I say old, listen, from, from since four or five, three or four years ago, when I say the word old people, I mean me and old people. <laughs> well, I, there, there's I, you're not even young old yet, though. I'm sorry, but young old goes from sixty to eighty, and then old old is eighty and above. Old is fifty and above. It always 60, was to me. Sixty to eighty is actually young old. There's, well, what is that an Orange County thing? What is that? That was a school thing. <laughs> a school thing? Yeah, that was the, the, the octogenarians, the 80 and older uh, are uh, the old, old. Well, because so they're living even, longer. So I'm not even going to make it to old because I'm not going to live to 80. No, you got to make it to 60 to be young, old. So on the low side of old. True. Can I just, since I've lived so hard and so long and I'm so old in body and spirit, you can can't claim, I claim, go up? Uh, can you I know, claim I'm, to be I'm old? I'm claiming old, old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already, I, fuck you. I may be young, but I'm the youngest so, old, old there is. So anyways, I didn't mean in I didn't mean it as insulting to people that maybe are five years older than me or the same age as me. I was including myself in it. And I think, you know, I was just so, and I want to get back to what it was. I'm so disappointed. AA used to be so welcoming and so cool and so appealing and attractive. And tens of millions of young people are being introduced to it. And you know, Chuck, you Mm -hmm. deal with them every fucking day, every fucking week, all year long. It is not appealing to them. It is not attractive to them. That's true. So you can say, you can blame them like most grumpy old timers will. Well, it's not for people who want it. It's people who need it. Or it's not for, what is the saying? It's, it's not for, for people who need it. It's, it's for, for people, people that who want do it. it. 
It's for oh, the people do that do it. Oh, well, I had heard. Not for not for you want it or need it. It's for the people that do it. Oh, that's a new one. <laughs> uh, that's the way I heard it first. Okay, so. But that was also so, but, take what you but, want and leave the rest. But the they most used to say important that too. part of it was we are based on attraction rather than promotion. Mm -hmm. Now, I take that literally, right? It seems to me the sharing, if you're new, you need to get a sponsor, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need, without any solicitation, just telling people what to do. That's what every cake getter did the other night. That's what every person I see does to newcomers. That is promotion, not attraction. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's pushing an agenda, absolutely. It is not. Attractive is, I'm sober, dude, and I don't fuck, I'm fucking living a badass life. You can too. Wasn't that what they told you? I mean, that's what they told me. They said, find somebody who's got a life that you, you'd want. I didn't find out how they got it. Nobody even had to tell me that. All the greatest songwriters and musicians in LA were sober people. Like, I went to meetings and three of my favorite songwriters were there. Dude, you don't have to tell me much more than that. Right. Right? So there you, there you go. So as a matter of, you'd ask them, what did you do? I know they I weren't just, telling I, me. Even I didn't even ask. I was scared to talk to them. I just went to the meetings they went to. Like this one guy would talk to me, but the other two wouldn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, they knew you. Yeah, they were well aware. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I know, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, it's it's the two things that you and you and Jack, I is so much like the idea that somebody knows what the newcomer needs to hear, so they're going to say it. Newcomers need to hear this is just so pompous. And the idea that I know without talking to you what you need. It's so arrogant. It, it is so, and it's so self-centered. And it's that's the opposite of what... They can't see it, though. They can't see it. How do we get them to see it? I mean, I could, me and Jack can be these heretics and be affronting and... And then it just makes us the assholes and then, nobody no. listens to the message. And the message is loud and clear to me. That meeting in the 80s had 400, 300, 400 people in it when it's more desperately needed than it was in the 80s and there's 40 people there. Something is not attractive. Something is not appealing. Something is not working. And I think it's up to all people with long-term sobriety to think about this deeply and pray and meditate over this and think, what is going on? I really think there's a spiritual kind of thing that we have to do as members that have been around for decades and ask ourselves, what, why is it not appealing to people who are facing death? Yeah, there's a... <clears throat> There's a huge spiritual disconnect on that, and that's not the people that go to the the refuge recovery. I watch them do it. It's good. It's a good start. And I mean, like AA, AA has been not working for you for twenty two years, right? No, it's been work. It worked for me for for all this time. I it's I don't need it. Here's the other thing about about the needing and doing and all that the the tricky clever things set, right? <laughs> so for years I needed it but didn't want it. 9 years of going in and out. I needed it but didn't want it. So then so needing it, things will happen in your life that'll make you go back to it because you need it. But when you're in it for a month or 3 weeks or something, you realize I don't want this. So at a certain point hopefully you live long enough to want it and need it and do it right okay so but n during none of the time of the nine years i was going in and out did i disrespect it or dislike it i respected it and i liked it about i would say about 2005 2006 i started seeing things that i do not like right and I, and I would just, because I was a bleeding deacon and I secretaried meetings and I was a big, you know, big Silver Lake AA guy, I could tell people, what the fuck are you talking about? Shut up. And I could try to <laughs> rail against it like Jack, was, Shut up. like Jack was doing in Orange County. He still right? is, yeah. So, so, but at a certain point, it's exhausting and it, it spread like a virus, this telling newcomers what to do in this grandiose, arrogant unsolicited way constantly in every share in every pitch in every dinner afterwards 
And I just became repulsed by it. So about eight years ago, I just stopped going so much. And guess what? I felt way, way better. <laughs> yeah, when you move away, it's like not being on Facebook. You get away from a sick yeah. meeting, you feel good. You get away from a sick social media, you feel good. You know, you move move away from things that upset you, but there's something I like kind of getting into it for just a minute. But I've lately, it's been so much easier to just not be a part of it the last few years. But so that, that's been my journey. And, you know, what what would I have done if I didn't work with newcomers every day? I mean, I would have really had to make a decision. Like, what am I? How? What's going to fill this spiritual void? What's going to fill this uh, connection to other alcoholics? But I have it every day, from the moment I wake up till the moment I go to sleep. So I had the luxury of having three hundred newcomers in my life every month, hmm, yeah. right? To be able to talk about it, and and I'm constantly promoting the value of AA to them. And that's not hypocritical. I tell them I don't go very much. I, that gives them hope. They like the idea. Because you're right. telling them they got to go for the rest of their lives. And I say, well, I went every day for the first three or four years, pretty much every day that I could. I liked going. It kind of grows on you. I share my experience, strength, and hope exactly as I remember it, exactly as I experienced it. And I'm not going to turn around and lie and say I still go to a meeting every day. I, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't either. And I, but I love where you, where you were with that is that, you know, uh, it wasn't the idea of you've got to go to, you know, it wasn't 90 meetings in 90 days. It was the idea of, I went to meetings because I had to, because it was part of the Cooper fellowship where I was. Right. I knew that I'd been sober before and I'd been sober through the 12 steps. I hadn't, didn't mind going to a 12 step program, but eventually I wanted to go because for the same reason you did, I'd go there and I'd see the people that were in the other bands. I'd see the people that were, that were going to the beach. I'd see the people that were taking trips. I wanted to see the people. I wanted to hang out and have something to do. I reconnected to life in those meetings. Exactly. And, and that, that's essential. Then you don't, then you're not going because you have to, but imagine then you're going if because you want to. that's not available to you anymore. Uh, that, that's, that that's would be so sad. fucking sad. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to be critical and I'm not certainly not saying every meeting in every part of Los Angeles, but I've seen it a lot. I spoke at a 7 a.m. meeting a couple Fridays ago. There was like maybe two people under 35 in that meeting. You mm. know what I mean? Like, we're all just going to work and going to talk rah-rah shit about AA. Like, I, you know, I'm more about, like, I, I, want, I want to stay sober and help another alcoholic to achieve sobriety. That's the only meaning in it to me. Going around and being a grandiose kind of, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful. You know what? <laughs> I'm embarrassed, to be honest with you. My life is so abundant, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to, it just seems like bragging to me. I don't want to say, you know, I, I just say my life is unbelievably good and, and I, I have good relationships with people. I don't like, oh, you know, I got this, I got that, and like drop in that I'm, oh, I went to Thailand the other day and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but you no, but to I mean? be able to say I'm, I'm content, I'm happy, I'm everything that I was looking for. It's not about things. To be able to be happy, I was able to buy pleasure before, but I could never buy this, the, the sense of well-being... The, the fact that I, I want to be at my house. If I don't leave my house, I'm happy to be there with the people that live there. And when I go, I want them to go with me. I like where I work. I like coming up here. I like, I like my, my world is nice, And don't you man. think the, that kind of the way that the community was through the 80s, 90s, and beginnings of the 2000s, it taught you how to tolerate other people and get along with people. And, and, and just like, there are people that I'm still friends with. I just went to that Royal concert. I like half the people I saw there were sober people. Do the kids who are trying to get sober know that? No. no, because they don't stick around long enough to even be involved in it to know like, hey, you can go to that. Every, everywhere I went, I bumped into sober people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and it's just like, AA gave me that. That community of love and fellowship and, and kindness and, and tolerance and tolerating me when i was just such a angry you know angrier than i am now like <laughs> ball of self-destructive doubt and they helped me become really a straight shooter and real you know kind of okay with myself person they did that you know right. and and now there's no they there anymore not for these kids you know that 
I think, yeah, especially, I think it, there's a huge disconnect in the AA because a lot of these kids don't ever drink and we can't force them to say that they were alcoholic. And I don't know what's happening at NA because I don't go to NA meetings. I'd have to look into it to see what's going on well, in that culture. NA, I asked Mike earlier if he goes to the NA clubhouse in Costa Mesa. It was good. I mean, there's bikers there. There's bikers everywhere you go with NA. It's bikers. So what? I don't mind. I don't mind motorcycle people. You got a Harley Davidson <laughs> shirt on right now. I, I, you are a biker. I, I don't. I, well, are you a biker? I You're ride. a weekend warrior. No, I, I ride, but you know the. Do you ride to work? Yeah. Oh, then you're a biker. Well, no, I surf, but I'm not a surfer. I, <laughs> I ride a motorcycle, but I'm not a biker. I play guitar, but I'm not a musician. That's uh, that's the paradox. Jack of all, of, jack of all trades. Of absolutely none. So, apparently. and I don't, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with it. I just think that we need a revolution of love and and a revolution of love in our society. A revolution of uh, you know. And I've always said, and Gloria Scott and a lot of the people that helped me so much understand AA and its history and stuff used to say. Listen, AA is just a, it's just a microcosm of the culture that it lives in, right? So, and she, you know, Gloria mostly went in Venice, Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, that's where she lived, right? And she said, every kind of, whatever the culture is, that's what the AA kind of reflects, hmm. right? And, you know, right at the time when I was around her a lot, it was when Bradshaw's Healing the Child Within was very popular. Okay. And combined with Marianne Williamson's Course in Miracles. So a lot of the AA people would talk about the Course in Miracles and, and uh, healing the child, you know, the child, the inner child, right? And she was just didn't like that stuff. So I, that's why I remember. And then that, that shit hasn't been mentioned in 25 years. Right. It just went away. Without being told you can't talk about that, it, it just went away. It was huge, and it went away. Yeah. Then uh, The Secret, and the, I was still in AA every, all the time when The Secret and the Agape and Is Abundance. Is that Oprah's Church. Secret? Yeah, The Secret and the <laughs> Agape Church and Abundance and all that. Right. And, I was, and I was, you know, that was about 10, 12 years ago. That was really big in Hollywood AA, right? And, and, and I was, I learned my lessons with Gloria. Like, I'm not going to get upset about this. It's not for me, but like, it's the people who are proselytizing it. I liked, I respected, but I mean, they're not proselytizing. They said, you know, I know it's an outside issue, but this program and it got (laughs) by church. I know it's an outside issue, but this (laughs) is what you should guys do. I don't think it's an outside issue. If you found Jesus, that's good. Then talk about it Uh in a certain general way. It's adding to your life. It's reinforcing and and re-kind of invigorating your dedication to love and tolerance and spiritual way of life and helping others and I think that religion is good in that respect, but but then agape, and then it just all went away, and then it's gone now. Yeah, well, that that what she said, you know, just tracking that, that fits with how self serving and sanctimonious and high opinion of self and everything that's happened with people since the onslaught of social media, and my opinion's right and your opinion's wrong, and that we can't both be right. If I'm right, then you're wrong. That fits with the culture that's happening in AA and how uh, combative it is and how um, it's not engaging on a friendly level. And that just the same way society as so a whole is before, before it wasn't, yeah, I can tell you that the, the inner child controversies and the, and the Marianne Williamson brigade that was in Santa Monica and the Clancy stuff and, the, and all the different flavors that have drifted in and out of the AA I've been a part of, no one ever was mean about it. Now they're mean about everything. Mm-hmm. I just said, you know, as a joke, really, like, you young people, this is your home. You should take it over. You should fucking, you should nominate yourself secretary. <laughs> you, you, you practiced that, right? You I thought didn't. about, what am I going to say? This is what I'm going to say. No, gonna... I didn't. It came off the top of my head because Next I, time, call me and say, because, this is what I'm going to say. <laughs> because it was really because everybody took a bunch of cakes and it was all a bunch of self-obsessed narcissism. So and they telling, pissed you off and by And telling that, new, huh? new people what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I'd talk to the new people. Because the old people don't want to hear what I got to say. And they're not old. They were like my age. Right. I shouldn't have used the word old. Right. Well, that, that's one of my favorite things on a birthday is to say, man, all I did was follow some suggestion. That's all I did. You know, stick around. You'll find your place. Yeah. Well, this guy said that 
this program is about God. I swear to God, he, this is what he said. This program is about God, and if, you have, if you're debating that and you haven't found God, you should go drink and use more. That's what he said when he accepted his 30-year oh, 30 30 year cake. He's the one that stormed out. He's, he's the, the one, one telling people to go out, get yeah. loaded. He's yeah. the one who stormed out. Our kids are out, dying. Yeah. <laughs> kids are, they don't care that kids are dying. That's yeah. another thing. That I think people are in their vacuums. Kids are... Um, Kids are dying and nobody's paying attention. What, what would he do if someone told his kid, who's clean for two months but not sure on God, you know, you should go shoot some dope. I know it might have fentanyl in it and it might kill you this time, but you should go do that because you're not doing it the way I say you it's should. It's crazy, that's, right? That's it's, fucked it's up. Just so they, they're obviously, I think a large contingent, you're right, it is alcohol specific or whatever, and they just bury their heads in the sand to what's going on. I think the whole country is really. Do you remember we heard all that stuff about Trump and the and the opiate thing and the, oh we're gonna do something we're gonna mm-hmm. do something they didn't do nothing nothing's nothing's happening. No, I'm waiting for the subs to flood the market though. <laughs> I'm waiting for the free subs at Walmart or something. Yeah, Come in and get your free suboxone. <laughs> so so uh, just it's it's just unbelievable how many people are dying and and you, you just ask yourself this. If 50,000 people were killed by terrorists last year, what do you think would happen? We'd be a police state. We'd be posting up flags in Iran and Iraq. Well, we'd go invade some other countries. We would annex those countries. Well, but I mean, 50,000 people are basically dying from an illicit fentanyl trade market from Mexico and China and cahoots. Um, They keep blaming MS gang members. MS gangs, (laughs) I got to tell you something. I know a little bit about gangs. I work with the gang task force in Echo Park in the in the ni- late nineties. MS doesn't really deal drugs. They're just a loose based kind of gang of kids that are just wild and 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 crazy. They're they're not the international. They're not the Bloods and the Crips. I'll no. tell you that. No, they're they're not doing what I mean. Yes, they're not. Are they great people? The Mexican, Prob- probably not, not great the Mexican people. Mexican mafia. If you are Mara Salvatrucha, though, we like you. Um, no, I know, but I, I, hey, listen, I like all people because I know that that's everything negative comes from negative childhood experiences. So that's why I'm so focused on you got to raise kids right. You got to they got to be the top priority in your life. They got to be something that you're conscious of how you're treating them and how you're doing. That's why I talk so openly like I I I yell not in a mean way. I yell because I want them to hear yelling. Yeah, but see, that's why that's there and instead of not being there. It's there because no, but I think you're always moving forward. The The trampoline is outside on a rock, not on a rock, because <laughs> you, were, you were trying to provide something for them Listen, because you know, you're a good dad at the end of the day. Well, well, here's the thing. I don't think children that we're dealing with in their 20s have ever been yelled at. Not, see, because I'm yelling like how my dad yelled. Hey, Elvis, stop it! Like, it's not, it doesn't, it's not connected to anything, and he's used to it. It's not mean. It's not belittling. It's not belittling. Just stop it. I'm right. trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to undo what I did on this fucking. Don't you know I'm an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot, and I'm pissed off over here, kid. And I think he's well aware of that because he points out my inconsistencies, <laughs> and I don't punish him. I, you know, I just say, hey, "Dad, I'm know, grounded. We I can't go I'll to say, ice cream." Elvis, no more drums until we get this done. And then I hear the drums again. I go, "Elvis, stop it!" And he's standing right next. That's funny. Anyways, uh, because I think all these kids never have had that. It's not to scare, it's just to it's just I don't know. It's it's like, hey, I said no drumming, no drumming, right? So uh and you know, I, I may be wrong and my kids may turn out as bad as these kids that were praised and got trophies, but I'm willing to take a chance and do a little yelling. You know, <laughs> Well, there a lot of it's in the genetics, like you know we've talked about. A lot of it's already there, but how can you go wrong with trying to do what you believe to be right instead of doing something that doesn't make any sense and is failing? It's uh, yeah, it's it's remarkably failing. So, mm-hmm. and, and I exaggerate the kind of negative. We also every morning have a dance party, and we we were dance. I realized something about Sydney. How about this? So you would think, like you know, when you're going to have a dance party, which we have pretty much four or three, four mornings a week in our pajamas, we go in my office and put music on and usually led by Sydney. She goes running in there and goes to my book of CDs. Like she just likes nice. turning the pages. 
So I've been, you know, I, I use Marvin Gaye or Stevie Wonder or whatever. And then I realized something. She doesn't really like that kind of music. You know what she likes? The Almond Brothers. She goes fucking nuts over the Almond. <laughs> you got Brothers. a little hippie. She's a <laughs> she's a rocker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she'll do her hands up to Marvin Gaye. Brother, brother, there's too many of you dying. You know that song we were listening to it yesterday. That song is literally the soundtrack for right now. Mm-hmm. How can, how genius is Marvin Gaye? Oh, no, he wrote a absolutely. song in 1968 or 69 that is an exact soundtrack to what's going on this week, 2018. He's been dead for 20 years. I mean, that's no, incredible. He, he was in tune. That's, that's, you know, that's my idea of a, a great song. As he sat, he became a sponge for everything that he saw, everything he heard, everything he felt, and he put it into a song. He didn't look for the great turn of phrase. He didn't look for words that were perfect rhymes. It was all it made it perfect. It's one of the greatest songs. Yeah. So, so, uh, but I put on Alma Brothers just earlier this afternoon, and she rocked the fuck out to Alma Brothers, right? And and I put on Aerosmith Rocks before she loved it. Sammy Hagar, which nobody likes except for me and her. Me and her, you know, biggest Sammy Hagar <laughs> fans in the world. A two-year-old and a 57-year-old old guy. I know. I like it when Michael Anthony sings backups for him. He's got that great, he does those great high backups that he did for Van Halen, too. Yeah. So, so you know, there's just, just to be fully engaged in your children's lives and don't fall, you know, prey to the status quo, politically correct way of doing things. Because I'm telling you, we are dealing with, this generation of millennials that just don't have the fundamentals of life. They just don't have them, right? They don't have tenacity, for instance. If they put in a job application and the guy says, okay, well, I'll call you back and you don't get called back, they just think like, that's all you do. Okay, I put the call, he didn't call me back. I go, did you call him? Go back <clears throat> yeah. by there. Dude, did you take, go back <laughs> by there. Did you take out your nose ring? Did you, did you wear a dress shirt? You were wearing shorts and you didn't comb your hair? You're not trying to get a job. But even yeah. in that, they put the application in. The guy said, I'll call you. Yeah. It's been three days. They don't, when they don't get a call, they don't call and say, hey, I'm just checking Didn't back you in. teach that to Elijah, though? I taught that to both of my older kids. Right? I, I went with Elijah and got him the job. <laughs> you know, okay, but you, know, but you tell them, you go, you know, you put it in and then you wait 72 you, hours, you wait three days, you do a follow-up. And then if you don't hear back from them, you, you know, you don't call them every day. You don't knock on their door, but you do it at, at 72 hours and you do it at a week. But with Elijah... If my dope dealer wasn't home, I'd call him like six, seven, eight times a day. I, make a, sure I got That's it. a good old school point of Mike March is chiming in. That was perfect, Mike. Have you been listening or are you watching... No, some, no. I've you're been, watching World Cup in there, listen, aren't you? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm reading my big book, marking down the areas that you're wrong. What am I wrong on? <laughs> what, what part? Just kidding. Oh, no, no. Oh, this I'm just kidding. You know what, though? You could sit in a meeting. I bet you could sit in that meeting with a book and counter if you're one of those people that could remember. I know a guy who could do it, right? I could say, that guy just said that. Find where that says the opposite in the book. Oh, yeah, you can do that. Fine. Uh, you, could, you could probably do a 20 minute pitch at the end of every meeting just. Listen, saying, man, here's my take on this, okay? You know how the Constitution, the Constitution has, was written a long a living, time ago. But it's a living, breathing and it's, and it, thing. And, and, it's, and it needs, and sometimes it needs to be changed, sometimes it needs to be updated. It's the same. The, the big book is the same thing. It's written a long time ago for a different society of people, and, it's, and it needs to be updated, and it needs to be sort of like mentally sort of taken for what it is. An old, old book black and white movie written a long, long time ago. Wow, that's a good way. But, you know, but I, it is a living, breathing thing. And I'll tell you why. I see it that way. Well, here's the thing. it it's What AA is really based on works perfectly still to this day. And that is one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic. It's mm-hmm. a magical thing. That yeah, happens. that's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful, sacred thing. And I'll the tell you rules. about the meanings, like, you know, one, I, and this is for an example. <laughs> he's been taking notes. He's been taking <laughs> notes. He's going to go no, to. No, this is one. an example, this Bob, and post, you know, yeah. you, know it, who Mike, Mark. you know who I'm talking about, my grand sponsor, I won't mention his name, but he was in a Bob Dylan movie, and, you know, uh, he's a great uh, sober person, he's been sober yeah, for yeah. almost 50 years. We, on his birthday one time, we were in Seattle, we were doing a movie, um, he was acting and I was doing the, mu- I was doing the music and, uh, it was his 
35th birthday or something. This was like years ago. And uh, we went to this meeting. It was down in the bottom of a basement. And there were five people in there. There was a housewife, a logger, because it was up in Seattle, and uh, two people that were kind of heads in the hands. And then some other guy that was wearing red suspenders and said he was a scientist, you know, crazy nut guy. Yeah. And it was five people in the basement of a church. And afterwards, I thought, I thought, you know, he was going to say that was terrible. He said that was the best meeting I've ever been to. That was the best birthday gift I could ever get, you know? And so it is what kind of, like, you make it, you know what I mean? And he kind of, he really enjoyed just being able to open up and talk to these people and just talk to these regular people. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying. I had a great time, and every one of those newcomers came up and talked to me, and, and one old-timer came up and said, I've been saying what you're saying for five years, and nobody around here wants to listen. And he took my phone number down, the old timer guy. Yeah, see that, right? But 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 in the I'm talking in a broader context because this podcast is not about specific people. No, I understand what you're saying. Also, I I mean, you're talking about. I I I'll just tell you, Aloe puts through. I'm I'm just going to guesstimate. Okay, so ninety thousand people, thousand people a year come through Aloe, right? That I come in contact with, right? Okay. Ninety percent of them don't like AM, won't go. I convert about 30% of those people to try it out, look at it a different way. I've considered that that is my job now. But what's difficult is you have to do so much work on my end to explain to them why these people are being assholes. You understand what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? And being unwelcoming and and saying the things they say, like, if you don't like God, go drink and use until you do, right? <laughs> a 22-year-old kid who, who doesn't even know to call back on a job interview, you, you imagine what it takes to get him to accept that and still go and, and just, just <clears throat> let that go, and that guy's an asshole, and fuck him. Well, that, there's, there's right? your giant two-camp. Okay, there's a lot of divisions in my opinion, in the 12-step world, but a giant one you just talked about. One of them is where I try to live is in the meet them where they're at. And then the other one is if they're not here already, fuck them. That's, that's, what, if that's the, what's if, alienating If they're people. not here already, fuck them. But if you can meet them where they're at, like it talks about in that book that they say they read where it says, you know, they would find a guy, if you were a, a, a Catholic man who worked at the the bowling alley and had three kids they'd find a guy who was a catholic man who who knew something about bowling and had three kids to go right. talk to you and that you'd at least make friends so you you wouldn't send people over to lecture that's not how they got people in they they it whatever we've been around this tree before but the idea of there are people that are willing to do that we're just it's just kind of the bigger majority is is t- coming to this table thumping and just this, this is the way I did it. Rah, yeah, rah, and, I, rah. And, I, and I'm saying I don't really, uh, it's, it's fine what's going on in the world that doesn't have 380 rehab centers in the county of Los Angeles. God knows how many there are in Orange County, maybe half that. You're talking about 500 rehab centers in Southern California. Or more. I and mean, they're importing... God. Tens of thousands of drug addicts here to get help. And we're telling them, we're stabilizing them, educating them, doing whatever we're doing and suggesting they go to 12 steps and they're not getting welcomed on that end. And that's a shame. That's all I'm saying really in a long-winded whole 30 minutes. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I hear, the, I hear the people all the time. I hear them, especially, they're friends of mine too, where they go, all these uh, dorks from out of state you know, showing up in the rehab vans, ruining our meetings, and it's oh like, God. oh Jesus! That's all. They're trying to get sober. Well, no, you no, these it, guys. And do you know what it took uh, to get them to get in that van and go to that meeting? Right. You know, I yeah. got, I got a question. I didn't really understand what you were talking about, Chuck. If they're not there yet, fuck them. You know. Well, that's what he's saying. These old timers do, or these these oh. kind of people. Chuck's not saying that. He's oh, saying okay. that he witnesses. You need that. to. You need to. No, the whole idea of meeting them where they are, which is a treatment philosophy being taken to AA, which AA used to say, you know, you've still got to watch, go back out, but we've got a different situation 
like everybody's been talking about, it's a different situation than it was in 1935. It's much more dire. So, you know what, if someone comes in with a watch or with a job or with a house or with a wife, we don't turn them back out anymore like they used to. You know, we say, hey man, come in. If you have a problem, if you can't stop once you start, and if you have a little control over the amount you take, then you're like me. Sit down, hang out, take what you want and leave the rest. Take what you want and leave the rest. Yeah, they almost had like, it seemed like they almost in the olden days, they had this sort of uh, this almost spiritual soldier sort of, uh, of philosophy to help people get of sober. like, don't leave anybody behind. You know, you don't exactly. leave anybody behind to save your ass and, and leave people behind. I, well, now you just leave anybody behind that doesn't agree well, with you. Haven't you heard it said that, our, they go, oh, I'm so glad we don't, we don't shoot our wounded here? Well, what is that? It was shooting our wounded. <laughs> you know, we don't yeah, shoot I our hear, wounded I here. Hear, I heard that all a lot. But what what is telling somebody to go get loaded? That's shooting your wounded. Yeah. Well, so I don't want to be all negative. I just want to say, AA saved my life. It saved all my friends' lives. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> uh, but somewhere about 10 years ago, it, it drifted off the rail. And once something gets off the rail, how do you get it back on the rail? It, it might take a revolution. That's all I'm saying. It's a lot harder to get it back on a rail. It, ta- it takes gone. a revolution. Well, I keep thinking of like the ebbs and flows of things. There are millions of Americans that desperately need 12 steps, right? And, and if it seems unattractive or unwelcoming or, or unappealing, and that's what it was last the other night. That's what it was. And... And to a lesser extent in the morning, like, you know, it's available there. It's a bunch of good sober people and they're there if a newcomer wants to go to a 7 a.m. meeting. I get it. But the main meetings that people go to, the nighttime meetings, 7.30 or 8 o'clock, all across the United States, all these major cities of Beverly Hills and Huntington Beach and, 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 and Chicago, Illinois, the people with time going to those meetings need to ask themselves a very deep question what is my purpose here? And if the purpose is to tell other people what to do, go be a mentor to a, a, a kid who needs a father. That, that kid you can tell what to do. Train goats. Yeah, do something. <laughs> but don't do that with these wounded, defensive, you know, sad, angry, oppositionally defiant kids that are dying like flies all across our land. Don't do it to them. Go do it to somewhere where where that kind of authoritative kind of thing has a positive value. Be a football coach. Go coach a little league. But don't do it to 20-year-old kids who have five days sober who are in sober living. Yeah, Yeah, it's serious now. Those attitudes that are passed down generation to generation in 12-step, you know, of, oh, let them find their way by themselves. Nowadays, drugs are like the powerful gun. Like guns aren't the same as when they wrote the Constitution right. about to bear exactly. arms. Now they're like super powerful and they can kill lots of people. Well, the drugs are have evolved into this super powerful thing that exactly. can drug There's can a kill. very much a direct correlation. Dang, Mike that. Mart. That is true. Poignant. And so that's why gun control is such a hot topic and such a passionate topic and i don't know why drugs aren't a more passionate topic especially among the survivors of drug addiction why is everyone who got sober in the 80s and 90s with me feel not why do they not all feel as passionately about these kids as i do why don't they fucking ask themselves that there you go right because they don't give a fuck because they got their car, Corvette car they drive on the weekend or whatever the fucking meaningless meanderings of all... Uh, it's uh, electric cars now, but... No, no, the Corvettes. Like, all the guys around here have Corvettes because they <laughs> wanted them when they were kids and they couldn't afford them. <laughs> Corvettes are like, you know, you know, those types of cars. Cool. Yeah, Chargers. You know, they sell, like, they sell Dodge Chargers like with, you know, the big 70s ones. They're like $45,000, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. 
So, anyways, but I, I like, but you know, I, I just want to say I had a big truck tailgating me on the freeway with a big giant flag. One of those guys with a big flag on the back of their truck. He must I, be more American than I, you. I know. I just Apparently. went slower and slower and slower. Was it was it a great big truck? <laughs> yeah. So he had a giant penis too. Do you have a sober and crazy bumper sticker <laughs> on your car? Oh man! But but listen yeah. though. So so I just believe there needs to be a revolution. And anybody who feels like me, which is, I, listen, I'm cool. I'm, I'm sober. I've been sober for 22 years. I'm going to be sober for 22 more. This idea that, that it's about me is fucking narcissistic and ridiculous. It's about newcomers who are dying, by the way, not just going in and out and not saying the words you want them to say. They're fucking dying. And it doesn't wake up these people that have been sober for 10 or 20 years to have some compassion towards them and think about them instead of thinking about themselves. You know, it's that, that simple. Like, listen, I'd be fine with never having to do any of this and just like jump on that trampoline and go, go, (laughs) you know, go get some ice cream. But I, I've never seen anything like it over the last five years. How many clients of mine have died? How many kids I've heard or met or known or heard or know kids whose friends have died? I've never seen anything like it. And you got to understand I was nine years old in 1970 when our next door neighbor died in the Vietnam War. I saw the Vietnam War. It was nothing like this. It was fucking nothing like this. And a country almost tore in half to do something to change it. And kids are dying every fucking day in this country. And the sober community doesn't do a fucking thing. Except for unwelcome them when they come once in a while, hat in hand, kind of looking for a solution. That's one of the complaints is the way they wear the ball caps. Yeah, they do wear them backwards. And, and they float them. They wear them up high. And they do and that's the, enough. Pant, the so pants they, way they, down. Pants so way so down. Then, then we shouldn't be helping them. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to float your hat and wear your pants low, you know, go die. <laughs> that is, you dick. I mean, as dumb as that sounds, I mean, I, I watch it. Like there was 20 newcomers. There was six people took newcomer chips. There was two vans of newcomers. They could, the people who were sober for decades could give a fuck about them. <laughs> exactly. I swear to God. Yeah. It was about what they thought and their opinion and what they wanted to say and how grateful they were and who, you know, and how Sit they, down. You haven't how heard how they worked the program. <laughs> it's just sickening. You know what I mean? And, yep. and I'm telling you, we need a revolution. And you know who's probably going to start it? The kids. I I wish they would instead of tattooing their face. <laughs> instead of getting that next face tattoo, start a revolution. Yeah, all you got to do. Do something. And I told them afterwards, right? There was like 20 of them. I was talking to all of them. I said, listen, this is how you do. You come here to the, ask when the business meeting is. Then pick your most sober friend, nominate him as the secretary, and then all of you vote for that person. <laughs> then you'll run this meeting. Yes. Then you get your friends to come here and speak. I guarantee you within three weeks, all these people will not come here anymore. And then a floodgate of your friends can come here. It's the way AA works. <laughs> but yep. they're so scared that because their disease is so powerful and the fentanyl is everywhere and all they know is drugs. See, you and I knew things before drugs. I, I, I knew, I knew things, you know, I knew how to graduate from high school and go to college and have friends and have a girlfriend and buy a car and have car insurance and work a job. And I, I knew all, I learned all these things before I became a full on drug addict. They were full on drug addicts since they were 16. They don't know anything of anything. So we got to tell them and I, and they were like, really, you could do that. And I go, yeah, like. You can be, you know, you're going to have to plan it. Might be six months from now, but you guys got to all group together and say, listen, you know, so-and-so's got 11 months, so he'll have a year by then. We're going to nominate him for secretary Mm -hmm. or nominate her for secretary. She's got two years. Nominate her. Then you get to pick the speakers. Then the speakers are your friends. Then the people that are unwelcoming and make this meeting a drag will not come anymore. And then more of your friends will feel welcome here. And then you run the show. And then there'll be 300 people in here two years from now. And it will be vibrant and alive. And you'll want to come here. 
and you'll want and it, it'll be the place you go to meet people and go eat and go to concerts and whatever and, and in 20 date. years you'll be the people that are hanging on to this meeting desperately <laughs> yes. i didn't get into that threatened tell them about whatever by the young people <laughs> you know what though the, the old guys can take care of themselves if you've got 30 years you you can probably make another four well, or five I, years on you your know, own i just I've never seen such a childlike behavior in my life so i i question the 30 years actually so many people lie about that kind of sobriety anyways they're on benzos anybody that's that <laughs> that angry that gets up and walks out of a meeting because they don't like what the speaker's saying i mean that's not a sober person there's it? a lot of old-timers that can't really function in the outside <laughs> world I, i'm not kidding you they, they got time and everything like that but they live inside the meetings they don't take their shit out and live in the real fucking world you know what i mean they go to meetings three times a day and uh, they go to work and they go home and they only talk to aa people and it's weird. My sponsor told me in the beginning, he said, if you can't take this shit out in the real world and live with it, what the fuck good, what good, what is, good it? is it? Why bother even doing well, it? Well, Gloria Scott said the same thing. You know, because I was becoming quite the hotsy totsy know-it-all AA guy, like, mm. you know, and by 99. And she said, you know, it's like bragging being the best 20-year-old in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the smartest kindergartner. <laughs> the 20-year-old smartest she was kindergartner. So brilliant, man. And, uh, she she, was and just that's just brilliant. what I needed. I was like, holy fuck, that is true, huh? It's not that mm -hmm. hard to have a lot of answers in AA when you've been sober five years. Yeah. Not that hard. You've heard it all a hundred times. And you can say, yeah, you know, I've been around here a while and blah, blah, blah. And then everybody goes, oh, ooh, whoa. And it's just something you said that you heard somebody else say, right? <laughs> right. But then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it's like being 20 years old in kindergarten. You know, though, that, that <laughs> didn't happen to me until like 15 years sober when my, the things I said were, well, maybe maybe a little bit before then, but around 15 years is when I started saying things that were new thoughts or that were on topic or that were, and because it was instead of just being a parrot and repeating things. Well, I was a parrot. And bumper sticker. That. But I mean, it took, it took, it was at least 10 years before I had the ability to, because I wasn't thinking for myself. I was just saying all the stuff I was taught to say or that I heard people say early on. And it was not, you know, it, it felt so fake that I was going to walk away because it didn't feel real. I didn't believe what I was saying. I, I did, but but it was because I took the things that I liked. I would say, you know, I just don't use no matter what. That was my fate. That was my go-to. That's my go-to, Mike. Do you understand? <laughs> just I don't that. use no matter what. No matter what. I've right? heard old guys repeat that those old quotes two times in a share like they forgot <laughs> <laughs> like they forgot they said it earlier <laughs> i'm gonna say this again i don't use no matter what <laughs> did i already say that i meant to say it again because it's important the primary the center of my program is not using no matter what yeah that's how i stay clean i don't use no matter what you gotta no say matter no matter what. what no matter what no matter what no matter with a job without a job with a girl without a girl Right. No matter what. I and I you know, Chris Hoy used to say that, but other people when I was going to meetings in Richmond, Virginia, that was very popular. I don't mm. use no matter what. And I just I adopted it. It's truly what I believe. Yeah, but that's simple. a good one, man. That is a good one. No you don't use no matter what. We maybe we can bring that one back. Uh so let's wrap this up. We're gonna wrap up with cliched endings of uh a pitches so i just want to thank everybody for listening i want to thank the newcomers i want to thank the uh birthday people i want to welcome <laughs> the people from out of town and i want to say i'm so grateful to be of service and i thank my higher power and uh good night <laughs> oh dang that was really good all right you do I, one job i, I think Chuck's you, gonna do one i think you covered it pretty good <laughs> I, you know is there anything i missed um uh, you you forgot the part about you know uh, with the uh, god the willing and rooms full of people men and women just like you people here tonight <laughs> it hasn't been <laughs> <laughs> why do people say those things uh because it, it's showing that you're you have humility that you're humble <laughs> after, after you beat your chest and tell everybody how great you are, you go, it's all of you. It's There's, all of you here. It, it, and I love everybody in every, AA. I want to thank all the newcomers. I want to thank this person. That, but uh, so everybody everybody knows me. Make no mistake. There's, there's a real lack of humility in me. 
So I guess I just can't be <laughs> falsely humble because it would be falsely humble. Yeah, exactly. If I was to be humble. Well, I want you to play an outro song, Mike. Mac Davis, It's Hard to Be Humble. Oh, Let's oh see. Lord, you ever, it's hard to, to be, be humble, humble when you're perfect, perfect in every way. way. Right, Chuck here. knows that song. <laughs> All right, here it goes. Hey, All right, see you later. Guys, keep coming back. <laughs> it works if you work it. Tell them Bob told you to call. Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die podcast. Got 100 people a day dying of drug overdoses, and it's got to stop. Allo Treatment Centers wants it to stop. We want people to get educated about drugs, about treatment. We want you to learn, laugh, and live. But first and foremost, don't die. 